Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, August 7, 2022, offered at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I was an 80s kid, my formative years being in the early to mid-1980s when Disney World in Florida was booming and the Disney Channel would beam into your home all of the happenings that you could experience if just you could get your parents to take you to Disney World. And one of my favorite Disney characters from watching the Disney Channel and from eventually being able to go to Disney World was perhaps an unusual one, right? Mickey was fine and Goofy was fine, but I really liked a character named Figment. Figment was a small purple dragon with yellow eyes and tiny wings. He sometimes wore a yellow t-shirt that had his name on it that said Figment. Figment was an imagination dragon and was part of the original version of the journey into imagination at Epcot. This was a ride, right, that you would go on and um, you'd go into sort of this dark tunnel and emerge into these colorful rooms and you were introduced to a character named the Dream Finder who was a man with a big red beard and sort of weird kind of red shoulder length hair that was traveling around in a machine called a Dream Catcher, getting all the thoughts and ideas that he could find And it was in this search that this man, the dream finder, comes upon Figment. Now, maybe you've gotten the joke that Figment, the imagination dragon, is from a figment of your imagination. So the purpose of the ride was to teach kids how the imagination worked. So in the first part, you were introduced to Dreamfinder and most importantly to Figment, who would kind of become your curious and mischievous guide through the rest. And they would travel around and grab up new ideas or dreams or images or sounds or notes of songs or pieces of poems. And then the next part of the ride took you into what they called the dream port. And this is where all of those things that you had captured on your adventures were sorted and stored to be used in the future. And then part three of the ride, you would see how Figment and Dreamfinder could use everything that was gathered and sorted and stored, how that could now be translated and rearranged and and emerge as new ideas and new thoughts. The ride would show you how maybe something that you saw at the beginning of the ride became part of a painting or a piece of art or those random notes and words that you captured become music and a song or literature or plays or dancing or how imagination leads to science and new technology. And because the ride was sponsored by the Kodak Film Company, there was a segment where Figment discovers the miracles of film photography and video. 
The whole point of the ride was to get kids to consider and explore their own imagination and connect it to applying that to creating something new. In our sometimes too serious culture, we are quick to downplay imagination, right? We call it flights of fancy, or we talk about figments of our imagination. We see imagination as the realm of kids, or maybe of sort of special, weird, artistic types. But the Greek philosopher Aristotle saw the imagination as the foundation of all the knowledge that we have. Just like the Epcot ride taught, Aristotle saw imagination as the way we made sense of all of the information that we gather. Imagination is the capacity to make associations among bits of random information and to synthesize them into a pattern, into concepts, into explanations. It's imagination that would allow somebody to walk through the door and look around and see people sitting in pews facing the same direction, looking at an altar and a cross with somebody wearing a funny robe and go, ah, they must be having church. Imagination is also what helps us with our relationships with each other. It's through our imaginations that we imagine how others might feel or respond. It's through our imagination that we develop empathy and compassion. And this sort of imagination can deepen over time. The more we interact with somebody, the more or the deeper and the more detailed our imagining can be of them. So that a new coworker who begins as a stranger that you just know as the person sitting at the desk next to you becomes the person eventually that has kids and a dog and a sick parent and likes to do, you know, knit and go to movies on the weekends and your imagination of what it means to be them becomes more detailed. The newer and deeper information that we learn about others the more deeply that we can care and have empathy for how others live their lives. We also know that we can improve our imagination through new experience and learning. That was the whole basis of liberal arts education, if you remember that, that learning across broad areas of literature and music and history and culture, you could strengthen your imagination and creativity and compassion, and that would make you a more well-rounded person, would help you understand your neighbor, and would help you in your workforce place. It takes imagination to understand our world and each other. And it takes imagination to create what, a, what tomorrow will look like. And that's what Figment, the imagination dragon, invited us into. Figment gave us a long list of areas where imagination could be applied, art and stories and music and photography and science. But, I think we could also learn that we need imagination when it comes to our faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is certainly a meme-worthy quote from the book of Hebrews. We might have used to have called it a bumper sticker Bible quote. And it's probably so familiar to us that we maybe don't even think much about what it means. But what is being written here and being said is that our faith is the assurance. 
Now, this isn't assurance as it makes us feel better. This is, in its Greek, is the foundation, right? This is the foundation for our things that we hope for is our faith. And that our faith is also the conviction, which means evidence or proof of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What do you hope for built on your faith? Do you hope for a world that is marked by justice and kindness? Do you hope for a world that is filled with health, where sickness is no more, where pain is no more? Do you hope for a world marked by abundance and equality and prosperity, where every person is able to live fully into the person called God, them, the person God called them to be? Do you hope for a world that is filled with love and compassion? Where all of the human hatreds and things that we use to divide ourselves are no more. If we look around right now, we might get glimpses of that. But pretty quickly, we probably start shaking our heads and saying, a world that looks like that is just not possible. And that's where the second part of our meme-worthy quote becomes important, that faith is the conviction of things not seen. Our reading from Hebrews goes on to tell us that it is by our faith that we know that the word of God brought into existence everything that we see. It was through God's own acts that the universe was created, making the visible out of the invisible. And then we go on to hear a sort of snapshot of our Hebrew siblings that Abraham and Sarah, right? God promised them a land, a home. And while they would get there, they would never live there as permanent residents. They would stay in tents and be moved around because it would be generations before the city of Jerusalem would be built. And even more generations before the city of the new Jerusalem would come to earth. But even as they lived in their tents and moved through those barren places, their faith, Abraham and Sarah's, pointed them to things that were hoped for and not seen yet. God also promised Abraham and Sarah descendants, as many as the stars are in the sky, more than the grains of sand on the beach. And when God promised this, they were both old. And Sarah had been barren her whole life. And in their frustration, they held on to their faith. It's not as though they went along completely without complaint. Abraham tried to get his own work around and God said, you have to believe what I promise. And so it was by their faith in what was hoped for and not yet seen that they were eventually given a child, Isaac. Our faith calls us to look at the world around us and to create and see there the invisible out of what we can see. So when we see a world that is imperfect, our faith calls us to hope for and create the world that is not yet seen, but that is in, that is in God's image. And to do that, to make that leap, we need a faithful imagination 
right? We need to explore the world around us to gather up stories and experiences and ideas that then we then sort and categorize and store. And then we need to come to places like churches and to communities of faith because here is where we experience the divine and how God wishes the world to be through scripture and sacraments and community. And we take all of those experiences and we gather them and sort them and join them with our experiences of the world so that we can imagine the way that God imagines the new creation. Our faith proves to us what we are waiting to see in the world. Our faith tells us that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection, that the Eucharist is the foretaste of the heavenly banquet, and that the church gives us a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And that leads us to hope for the completion of all those things. And just like that Disney ride with Figment, the imagination dragon, we learn that our faith and our imagination needs application. We have to act on what we imagine and experience. That's where some tension can come in because we have to hold fast to our faith because it is our foundation. But we also need to use that foundation to let us lean forward and move towards those things that we hope for. Our passage from Hebrews makes it clear that the life of faith isn't about seeing the full results. That faithful living isn't about, that faithful living is about living faithfully in hope for what is to come. And so that it means that our hopeful imagination calls us forward into unfamiliar places, to unfamiliar people with uncertain outcomes and results. But as Christians, we are called to imagine and build a world based on faith, given by God and held by generations. We are called to imagine and bring into reality what is hoped for, but not seen yet. Amen.